G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. This podcast is made available by Vision Christian Media, thanks to the generosity of our supporters. Your donation today means great podcasts like this remain available to help people look to God daily. Please make your donation today at vision.org.au. Why doesn't God just kill the devil? Because Satan's existence glorifies God more than his non-existence. Hi and welcome. This is Today with Jeff Vines. Today we'll be continuing our message about why God doesn't kill the devil. Although the devil cannot tempt or act without first asking God, Satan has free will and is part of God's bigger plan to bring glory to himself. This is important, but it's hard. God governs Satan's every move. The devil is never allowed to do anything until he first gets permission from God. This is Today with Jeff Vines, and we continue, Why Doesn't God Just Kill the Devil? It goes round and round. We say the devil is powerful. God says, yes, but he can be resisted. He's not stronger than our freedom. His power is only as strong as we allow it to be. And all through the Bible, God reminds us that the devil can only tempt. Yes, he might be incredibly organized and have a strategic plan, But the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, that God will provide a way out of any temptation that although the devil can tempt, he can never force. Number one, the devil like us has free will. He sinned, God didn't kill him. We sinned, God doesn't kill us. The devil can be resisted. He's not omnipotent. We can resist anything he wants to do in this world. And three, this is important, but it's hard. God governs Satan's every move. From cover to cover, the Bible says, that the devil is never allowed to do anything until he first gets permission from God. Job chapter one, verse 12. The devil said, I'll tell you why Job serves you because he's got an easy street. There's nothing, no problem. God says, okay, you can touch him. You can touch him. You can take things from him, but you can't take his life. Verse 12 of Job chapter one. And the Lord said to Satan, behold, all that he has is in your hand. Only against him do not stretch out your hand. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. Now, when I make this comment that God is in charge and nothing happens outside of the view of God, inevitably somebody throws up this example again. I want you to listen carefully. It's all part of the answer, but not the answer in itself. They always say, are you telling me that when that little girl got hit by that drunk driver that God had the power to stop it and didn't? Yes. Four things. Number one, how many lives does God save that we'll never know about? Number two, that little child, in God's eyes, life on this earth is but a short time, a short span. And whatever happens to us here, God more than recovers from in eternity when he gives us a life that is far greater than the life we lived here. God can recover because he is the giver of all good life. And he who gave it first can give it again. And the quality of the latter is far greater than the quality of the former. 
Third, notice this happened because of a man's free will decision. You want God to stop drunk drivers from hitting little girls, then he's got to remove their freedom. If he removes their freedom, there's no love. That's the reason we were created in the first place. And finally, and this is where lesson gets hard. It's where we round third and go home. Not literally, you stay here. Here's where it ends. I have noticed in my life and ministry, this is the hardest question for me, so might as well address the questions I'd like to ask God. Hardest question, hardest by far, is the reality that I have known people, so many people, who simply will not come to God into a loving relationship until the rug is pulled out from under them and they got nowhere else to go. Now I want you to think about something. Which is worth more to God? Life in eternity with Him in relationship and love or stopping some evil event from happening in your life that is temporary? This is why I bring us to the fourth and final answer. On the heels of a quote by C.S. Lewis who says that God whisper us to us in our pleasure, but he shouts to us in our pain. That in our pain, he gets our attention like nothing else. Number four, why does God not just kill the devil? Satan's fall and continuing existence is part of God's grand design to glorify himself. Satan's fall and continuing existence is part of God's grand design to glorify himself. John Piper says this, the whole duty of the Christian can be summed up in this. Feel, think, and act in a way that makes God look as great as he really is. Be a telescope for the world of the infinite starry wealth of the glory of God. All right, here's advanced discipleship. This is where it gets hard, if it's not hard already. God's primary purpose in your life is not to give you a life of convenience. That's right. That's not his primary goal. His primary goal is to use you to glorify and magnify himself so that others and your friends might be compelled to a love relationship with him. The question then becomes, how can God use the devil to accomplish this? How does Satan's existence glorify God? Because that must be why he's alive. Otherwise, God would just snuff him out. There's got to be a reason that God permits the devil to exist. And I want to move from the classic easy one to understand to the most profound answer that only Jesus Christ can give you. And it starts like this. The apostle Paul loved Jesus. Man, he said that he would rather know Jesus than to know everything else. He said that knowing Christ and the power of his resurrection was more to him that he considered all other knowledge as rubbish, as trash. And he's got a problem. The devil is attacking him. He is causing some physical illness or internal uh, conflict to occur in the life of Paul so much that it's starting to hinder his ministry. So he comes to God through Christ and he says, you know, would you kill the devil over here in this particular situation? Will you just wipe him out, please, and stop this from happening in my life so that I can get on with the call of ministry? And you know what God's response was? 2 Corinthians twelve nine. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Do you know what God said to Paul? Paul, I I'd like to do that. I could do that just like that. I could remove him, just snuff him out right here and there. But he says, I'm not going to. You know why, Paul? Because if I do that, you're going to get prideful. You're going to think you can do this all on your own. You don't need me. 
But if I allow this little affliction to continue in your life, you're going to continue to run to me because you're going to know that you need me. And in that, you and I are going to grow in our relationship with intimacy. I'm going to be magnified and glorified in your life, and people are going to be compelled to come to me. I've been reading Chuck Colson's book again called Loving God. Chuck talks about how God, hand, his hand was upon him, but the devil continued to tempt and to frustrate him. And finally, he gave in to the temptation and he sinned against God. He committed a crime. He was Richard Nixon's right-hand man. He goes to prison. He describes prison in his book as the place where the devil lives. But then halfway through his book, he makes this comment. I learned to say with Alexander Solzhenitsyn, bless you prison for coming into my life for only in the breakdown of my worldly power did I see what power is, what it had done to me and what it had done through me to others. And this is where it starts. Is it possible that the devil and his work is the greatest backfire of all time, that he does it to destroy us. He does it to take us away from God. But in reality, his work is the only thing that pushes us toward God. That it, hey, it makes our heart long for another world, for something that's beyond here. This is a hard one for me, folks. I don't want to preach at you. I want to share with you just a moment. Is it true that pain and suffering that the evil one causes presses us toward God? Yes, it is. Remember, our life is but a breeze. It's but the wind passing through the grass. It's a short time. And anything that is lost here, God more than recovers from in the future by giving us a life of glory and intimacy with Him. So the real question is, when you die, are you right with God? This is Today with Jeff Vines. And the message is, why doesn't God just kill the devil? Satan has free will and is part of God's bigger plan to bring glory to himself. Let's continue now. Is it true that the evil one He comes up with these plans and these strategies, but it's the greatest backfire because it ends up pushing us toward God, helping us know that this world does not have what we're looking for. Folks, in every degree in American society, is it possible that God says, I hate this. I don't want this to be upon my people. I love them, but I've got to let this happen as much as I detest it to bring them back to me. Philip Yancey writes, it is significant to note that most of the objections to the existence of God from the problem of suffering come from outside observers who are quite comfortable, whereas those who actually do the suffering are made into stronger believers by their suffering. And here's what I've learned about the devil. The devil works, his works, the devil's works glorify God because they show us the distinction between two kingdoms and compel us toward the loftier one. C.S. Lewis wrote, if I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. And Elizabeth Elliot, after she lost her husband, who is a good man, relatively speaking, who went to preach the gospel to the awful Indians of South America, and those Indians killed him, rather than running from God, Elizabeth Elliot writes this, if we were given all we wanted here, our hearts would settle for this world rather than the next. God is forever luring us up and away from this one, wooing us to himself and his still invisible kingdom where we will certainly find what we so keenly long for. The evil in this world is the greatest backfire of human history. The devil means us to go away from God, but in reality, those who truly seek him are pushed toward God. You know when the greatest time in my life with God was, or at least when it started, it wasn't when everything was good. 
When things are good, I tend to forget God. I tend to go about my own way. But when my mother died, it had a cataclysmic event in my life. I realized that life is fragile, that this world will never give me what I'm hoping and longing for, that it's going to have to come from someplace else. And I ran to God in worship. I needed God. I needed his wisdom. I needed his comfort. I needed his relationship. I needed to understand why the pain had happened in my life. And in that time of my mom's death, I was catapulted into a relationship with God that still to this day continues to grow. My life before my mom's death was totally different. Now, I know the importance of God. It has pushed me further and further toward God, not away from Him. I wonder if it's true that God sits up in heaven and He says, I hate this. I hate that I have to allow it. I hate that this is the way it goes, but I'm committed to free will. And sometimes my people have got to be woken up that this world is not what life is about. It's about the next one. Here's my conclusion. The bottom line for me then is this. Why doesn't God just kill the devil? Because Satan's existence glorifies God more than his non-existence. Satan's existence glorifies God more than his non-existence. And if you're here and you're having trouble with this, let me move to the final example. It is that which separates Christianity from every religion on the planet. Think about the greatest evil ever done on this earth and God just sat by and did nothing. What is it? The cross of Jesus Christ. His own son cries out, God, my God, why have you forsaken me? God had the power to snuff out the devil, to kill the soldiers. An innocent, good man who taught about truth and forgiveness is crucified the worst possible way. And God could have come down and wiped that out, but he doesn't. Instead, he turns away and allows his own son to die on a cross. But in doing so, what happens? Then the barrier that separated us from God is broken. And now we can come into a right relationship with him. That in the worst possible evil act in human history, God is glorified and magnified so that all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Do you see the point I'm making? God is sovereign and your life is for his glory to be a telescope so that people can look through you and see the power and the love of God. And here's the reality of it. Sometimes that means your pain. When my wife and I lived in Zimbabwe, we lost our first child. She was in an accident where she was struck head on by an army vehicle and our first child died. And I remember trying to figure out what to say to my wife and I was young, we were young and it was difficult to know how to interpret all that and all our hopes and dreams and what was happening so hard. And there are moms in this room right now that know exactly what I'm talking about. Hard to fathom why God doesn't intervene. Let me say something to you mothers. I don't know in your particular situation, but I can tell you why in mine. My wife stood up in church the following weekend in front of all the African women in Zimbabwe. In the African culture, if you lose a child, it's because God has cursed you. You take all the blame and oftentimes you're kicked out of the village and you have no place to live. My wife, after losing our child, stood up on that stage and she said, no matter what happens to me, good or bad, I love God and he is sovereign over my life and he will bring this to good. And I wish you could have been there as one African lady after the next got out of her seat, started walking forward to give their lives to Jesus Christ, any savior who loves them in spite 
of what happens in this world and uses everything that happens for his glory they wanted a part of. You think God enjoyed the fact that we lost our child? No. Do you think God could have stopped it? Yes. Do you think God allowed it? Yes. But look at all the winners. According to the Bible, my child goes directly into the presence of God as in heaven with him. I'll see him or her someday. And all the ladies found God and lives were spared and they entered into a free will loving relationship with God the Father. When I was a boy, I got chased by a bull. My dad told me not to cut through the farmer's yard. Just because it was shortcut, it wasn't safe. But like any boy, you rebel and do what, exactly what your father tells you not to, right? That's us. Thank God he didn't kill me. And so I get chased by a bull. I'm running. I think my life is over. I'm serious. Little kid. All of a sudden, I see that my dad, he leaps the fence. He comes over. He grabs me up in his arm. I jump up in his arms and he carries and jumps the fence and we're in safety. I just wonder. If God allows stress and turmoil and fear and things that he hates and detests into our lives because he knows by allowing it, we will run to him, jump in his arms, and he'll carry us to safety. How many of you like Coldplay? Now, I expect a lot out of this audience. All right. All right. That's better. Most audience just kind of looked at me. Who's Coldplay? I love, listen, I love Coldplay. I love them. There's this one song they do called The Scientist. And the words are powerful. He's talking about love and how difficult it is to date this girl he's dating. And in the song, he says, no one said it was easy. No one said it would be this hard. And then he says, let's go back to the start. And my interpretation is he's saying, let's go back and not make the mistakes we made the first time. Here's what impresses me about God. This whole world's about love. He knew the pain it would cause. He knew the evil that would occur, but he was willing to endure it. willing to endure it and then use it for his own glory, that it would draw and compel people to another world. And here's my challenge to you. See if you can think this through. Those of you who consider yourself to be super intelligent, see if you can think this through and come up with another scenario, another scenario that God could have created where there was free will and love. And tell me you can come up with one that does not have evil in it. They go hand in hand. God... I think he would say, I knew it would not be easy. I knew it would be this hard. But if I had it to do all over again, I love you so much and enjoy the loving relationship I have with so many. I'll do it again every time. Father, thank you for your goodness and for your mercy. Thank you for the power of your word. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you that you are the infinite, all-knowing God. And even though we enjoy grappling with these issues, we understand the reality is there are some questions that we simply will not understand completely because we are not God. You are infinite. We are finite. We do the best we can according to what we know in scripture, but we submit completely and totally to you asking for wisdom, but begging you this morning that if there's anybody in this room that feels like God's hand has been removed from them, that you would remind them as difficult as it is, And as much as you must have loved your son and wept even at his death, that you knew it was necessary for a higher cause of bringing mankind to you. I pray that we would be reminded of your love and there's a higher cause in our life that you're going to permit from time to time for the rug to be pulled out from under us that we might feel the stress and run to you seeking for the world to which we've been created in the first place. In Jesus' name, amen.
This is Today with Jeff Vines, and that's the end of Why Doesn't God Just Kill the Devil? When Satan tries to pull us away from God, we can be pushed towards God as we search for true satisfaction only found in an eternal life lived with Him. Today with Jeff Vines, just another way vision is connecting faith to your life. For taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.